welcome to a Record Roulette mini-episode. My name is Eamon O'Flynn, and I'm your host. Last week, we discussed Wild is the Wind by Nina Simone, and we had a few questions come up during the podcast itself that I thought I'd answer. First, was there an actual difference in the culture of R&B or other genres when it came to album construction? So the thing I think we actually have to remember here is that everything was pretty... uh, Every genre had the same focus on... 45s or singles uh, prior to uh, the mid 1960s. So when you really think about like the Beatles, um, for instance, like album construction became a big thing, um, partly through them. When we think of how albums are put together as a concept, that's that's really something that to a large degree starts with them. I know there's examples of like Frank Sinatra and a few others who have who did something that we could call a concept album. But this idea of really taking the time to put together as as good of an album as, as humanly possible is something that starts in the 1960s. And so prior to that, which is when a lot of R&B is happening, including a lot of Nina Simone, um, we you see that focus on singles. You see that focus on producing individual songs that can then be put out and can be in a jukebox or can be you know, can be can be played individually, can be played on the radio, that type of thing. So I think when we were talking about that, it is part of the culture of R&B right before this, or even at this time that uh, that Wild as the Wind is out. But it's not, um, it's not unique to R&B. And it might, you know, we, we will see this with other uh, genres as well. I think that it takes differing amounts of time for them to move out of the idea that you just produce tons and tons and tons of uh, full albums um, and focus instead on on putting together a really strong individual album. And I know I've actually read that some of the some of this uh, actually comes up on the Rolling Stone list. So you'll actually notice that a number of R and B artists, especially early ones, have greatest hits albums on the uh, on the list, and that's actually linked to this idea that. It's hard to find a greatest, or sorry, a, a great album from Al Green, a great individual album from Al Green. Although we'll test that when we get to him, but uh, but it's easier to find something that's a greatest hits. So I think that that's that's the idea behind that. Uh, I think it starts. I think it's something that starts in the mid '60s is this idea of putting together the best album. And so when we were talking about that, that's. Um, you know, having looked into it a little bit more, that's 100% the case. This wasn't part of the culture. Second, did you know that Ray Charles was nicknamed the High Priest of Soul and Nina Simone was nicknamed the High Priestess of Soul? This is funny because I think I knew both. I, I, I think I knew the Ray Charles one. I definitely knew the Nina Simone one because I actually said it in our last mini episode, I believe. I think I called her the High Priestess of Soul so I do think it's very funny that we spent a bit of time kind of comparing the two of them. Um, in some ways, I don't think they should be compared. I do think um, they they did produce very different types of music. Um, they had very different approaches to music. And, um, you know, I think the thing that links them together is they were both active in R&B and soul music. They were around at the same time. Like I said, they have both have very soulful uh, voices, and they're both piano players. But I do think that their style, piano uh, with a keyboard, is is very different. 
and you can hear that throughout Wild as the Wind. You can hear some some of the classical influence, uh, the things that Nina Simone very much very much wanted to do and really loved. And um, I don't think you'd hear that as much with Ray Charles. I think they're just both prodigies. I think they're just both geniuses when it came to music, and they're both working in soul at the same time. Then we had a question from me, which reads, Eamon, you blithering idiot. You bozo, you swine, you absolute fool. How could you possibly confuse Etta James with Nina Simone? This future version of you has now made a point of listening to both, and they sound very different. What's wrong with you? Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, I think that's fair. Future version of me kind of sounds like a bit of an asshole. Um, but I think... That's a totally fair thing. Uh, I did go back and listen to to both of them. I think the thing that that confused me was partially it's two black women in soul and in R and B who are performing at almost the exact same time. Their careers overlap thoroughly. Um, they actually, I believe, they played at a similar venue that I think a, I think a special box set or something just came out recently where they both put in amazing performances at the same at the same venue at the same concert series um there's a lot of things tying the two of them together but the thing that doesn't tie them together is the way they sound they sound very different they are very different people uh they lived very different lives so um future me uh i am sorry that i got that so wrong I would also say that Billie Holiday is actually a much better one to, to get wrong uh, if you're going to compare Nina Simone and Billie Holiday because they both produced versions of Strange Fruit and they both produced uh, a, a handful of other songs that were similar. Although the thing is, Billie Holiday, I believe, is considerably earlier than, than Nina Simone. Okay, that's it for the questions. Remember, if you have any of your own, you can reach us at RR Music Pod on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Now for the next album. Next week, we'll be discussing Code of Many Colors by Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton is an American singer, songwriter, musician, actress, author, entrepreneur, and humanitarian. One of the most prolific and beloved performers in country music history, maybe all of music history, Parton has composed more than 3,000 songs, including hits like I Will Always Love You, Jolene, Code of Many Colors, and Nine to Five. She has garnered 11 Grammy Awards and 50 nominations during an exceptionally successful career and was inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame in 1999. Code of Many Colors is Dolly Parton's eighth solo studio album. Released in 1971, the album was an immediate commercial success and was nominated for Album of the Year at the 1972 Country Music Association Awards. The album includes Code of Many Colors and My Blue Tears, both of which found chart success. Since its release, the album has grown in repute. In addition to reaching number 257 on the Rolling Stone Greatest Albums list, Code of Many Colors was included on Time Magazine's 2006 list of the 100 Greatest Albums of All Time. And in 2017, National Public Radio ranked the album number 11 on their list of 150 Greatest Albums Made by Women. This album is Parton's lone entry on the Rolling Stone 500 Greatest Albums list. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. Give Dolly a spin and join us the next uh, Wednesday for a full discussion. Until then, goodbye. Mm-hmm.